Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. All right, welcome in. The Cube Show podcast brought to you by our friends at Wickles Pickles. As you can see, always going to support the cap, support the brand, help our friends out. You can get a jar of Wickles bigger than my head if you would like. Delicious, wonderful, wickedly delicious. You can pick them up in your grocery stores. You got uh, different places all over that carry them, um, like Soho Social right here in Homewood, Alabama. I know they got a couple burgers and chicken sandwiches that have them. Absolutely phenomenal. I can eat them out of the jar. You'll love them too, and we appreciate Wickles being a part of the show. So as we transition here to a little bit of the offseason, bowl season going to be weird. Try to give you some previews, and then we'll come back and review games that have already happened, specifically SEC games. This time of year, we might look at some other stuff, just talk about different things. Obviously, the transfer portal is on fire. For us to be able to sit there and say, we're going to go through every team uh, in the portal and what's happened and what it looks like, uh, it's just, I don't even know if that's some people are interested in hearing and just like who all's out, how it's going to affect them. Uh, when you go down the list of teams in the Southeastern Conference, you know, I think there are different things that you look at as to how effective it is, why, you know, why it could be problematic. And there are different reasons that you look at, all right, well, you know, I think uh, I think it's going to be really bad for this team or it's not so bad for this team. So like on the surface, just kind of looking down at the portal and what's happened already. And I don't, I don't have anything in front of me. I'm just going to kind of blast through it. Like we'll talk portal for a second. Then I want to talk bowl games. Um, obviously Georgia's not really going to get hit by the portal. They're about to go play for a national championship. Tennessee hadn't had any big hits yet. Um, you know, Jimmy holiday wide receiver, a couple of reserve receivers, running backs. I don't think anything's going to affect him in the bowl and really nothing as of right now that looks like it's going to be a big impact next year, South Carolina, one of the bowl games we're going to preview today. We're going to preview the pre-New Year's Eve Day bowl games that involve SEC teams today. We'll just go ahead and start going through those, get you our thoughts on what we like, what we don't like, and then some of this is going to be how the portal affects them. Austin Stonger's going back to Oklahoma. Okay. Um, Jaheim Bell in the portal. Hate it for South Carolina. Hate it for him because he was beginning to come around. He was developing as a player. I think they understood how to use him. They used him at tailback, fullback, tight end, H, slot, all over the place, moved him. And, you know, technically and fundamentally, he was coming along. And I know Jody Wright did a great job with him. And so now he's going to have to go hit the reset button a little bit. And this is a guy that still needs some development and was getting it. And so I I just wonder if this is going to set him back to the point where maybe it's going to keep him from reaching his potential in college. But the kid's a super athlete and he's going to make some money one day in the NFL because people are going to fall in love with his size, speed and athleticism. Um, so I think those hurt for the Gamecocks. You obviously lose your offensive coordinator, Marcus Satterfield. Don't know how that's going to look in the bowl game, so it'll be interesting. Uh, Kentucky, you know, as far as the portal's concerned, probably not as big of an issue as early entries to the draft. Levis announces that he's out, not going to play in the bowl. Chris Rodriguez out, not going to play in the bowl. So, you know, you've, they've actually already gotten some portal commitments, which we hadn't seen a lot of SEC teams get just yet. Um, 
you know, Arkansas got an offensive lineman from Alabama. Kentucky gets a DB from Ole Miss. So it's, you know, it's, I don't think it's anything that we didn't really expect just yet uh, for Kentucky. Um, Florida has been absolutely decimated. And another team that we're going to preview today, uh, they got Oregon State and the Las Vegas Bowl. But good Lord, the the laundry list of guys leaving early to go to the NFL, which Anthony Richardson, Osiris Torrance, Gravon Dexter, just off the top there, is a lot. Um, Dexter, I think, potentially could still play in the bowl. Um, but obviously, that's a defense that hadn't fit the run very well, and, and he's going to be gone. Um, then you got all the guys that have gone into the portal. And I mean, it's just like an, an ever-ending, never-ending list of guys that have hit the portal that are going to be gone. So just the sheer numbers, Florida has been hit hard. That roster is going to look totally different next year. But good news for Florida, like we'll say, with some of these teams, destination school, NIL in good shape, shouldn't be difficult to attract guys. Um, Missouri, now you got a couple of guys that are going to be out for the bowl game for different reasons. But as far as the portal goes, Dominic Lovick is your big hit. You had a punter go in today, whatever. Um, but Lovick's a guy that made plays. I mean, a legit playmaker probably thought with Luther Burden coming back that maybe his touches weren't going to be the same, but thought he had a really nice year. I thought they used him well, kind of hated to see him go into the portal. You know, Vanderbilt's going to lose Mike Wright, quarterback, um, a guy that started early, big game against Hawaii early on. Then he loses his job to A.J. Swan and now going to be in the portal. Needs a lot of development as a passer, great runner, super athlete, great frame, but really needs to develop as a passer. Would not be surprised to see him go down a level or two uh, where he can get a lot of reps, a lot of snaps, a lot of playing time because that's what he's going to need if he ever has um, any ideas that he's going to want to play on Sundays. Um, you know, LSU coming off SEC championship game, a lot of reserves hitting the portal, uh, some reserve DBs, edge rusher, but I don't think there's anything that really wows you just yet. Jack Besh going, Cole Taylor going, wide receiver, tight end. Those are guys that I thought could have helped this year and beyond. I really like Cole Taylor. Big, tall, long frame, can run, uh, but just didn't fit with those coaches thought they needed last year, so d- didn't get a lot of run. He'll help somebody one day, as will Jack Besh. I think he could be a really nice you know, third option for a team that's pretty much set at one and two at wide receiver works in the middle of the field, tough as nails, but this is where the portal gets really weird guys. We got, you got a guy whose dad and brother played at LSU. One played on a national championship team under Nick Saban. And so I grew up an LSU fan and and he's in the portal. Like it's, that's why I say all the time when people ask me, do you think it's out of the realm of possibilities that so-and-so hits the portal? No, nothing is outside the realm of possibilities. When you got, a quarterback at Auburn, same school, same jersey number, same position, same name on the back of his jersey, and he transfers out to Oregon. Worked out for Bo Nix. He had a great year. Probably should have been in New York as a Heisman finalist. Uh, Bear Bryant's grandson transferred out of Alabama. Uh, now Paul Tyson's leaving Arizona State looking for another place to go. So as far as guys that had reasons to be a certain place and now are going somewhere else, like nothing's off the table as far as um, things outside of playing time. Like, you know, Growing up, you know, pulling at the heartstrings, what a school means to you, geography. I think all that's out as far as the portal's concerned. Um, Mississippi State loses Dylan Johnson, tough physical running back. Obviously, the way that he leads, a little bit concerning for you if you're a state fan. You know, Coach Leach kind of taking a shot at him. I don't think it's good for either right there, by the way. Um, but we're starting to see some of the things on Coach Leach as far as his relationships with the players sort of mount up here just a little bit towards the end of the season, you know, the chair thing, the same thing about the receivers, kids growing arms. And then, you know, this deal with Dylan Johnson. So just, I guess that's kind of what it's going to be because of his personality, but 
interesting that we've had multiple right here down the stretch. And I think Johnson's guy gets north and south. He's physical. He'll run you over. He'll block. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a, he's a hell of a football player. And he's going to help somebody. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, Ole Miss, Luke Altmaier gone in the portal. I, I don't, you know, this is a kid that apparently you know didn't want to go in a game to burn his red shirt in the middle of the year. Like, what, what are we doing? Um, so just entire situations like that, I think are weird and just, just it's, it's causing a lot of problems with today's college football. I'm not against the portal. I'm not against kids transferring, but when you get, you know, some of these unintended consequences, like this red shirt rule that was put in place that along with the portal, now you got guys leveraging middle of the year, uh, and you hear, you know, certain coaches like Sam Pittman, Brian Harson caught some hell for it saying, you know, you're not just going to sit around here and be on scholarship. Uh, but then you got Lincoln Riley who lets a guy practice. Um, you know, Florida's Billy's going to let a couple of guys play that are in the portal. It's a it's a it's a very thin line that you have to walk nowadays because I think what a lot of fans don't understand is you can't kick a guy off the team and just get the scholarship because of where we are with scholarships these days. So most coaches need a guy to go to the portal so they can have that spot and. It's just, it's not going to be a situation where you can just kick off, you know, seven, eight guys and be like, oh, we got our spots. It doesn't work that way anymore. You need guys to hit the portal. And some guys are saying, yeah, coach, I'll just go to scout team, man, but I'm not going back in the game this year. Like that, we had multiple coaches at multiple schools tell us that this year. Like, what are we doing? Like, who doesn't want to play? I mean, I would have fight anybody, scratch, clawed, whatever, just to get on special teams my true freshman year. Like, I just wanted to get in the game. And uh, it's just a different mindset right now. Alabama, from a numbers perspective, it's a tad concerning. I think Damian George is a guy who could have really helped down the road. He's that talented. Um, the light switch had not really come on just yet. Kind of same thing with Brockemeyer. But, I mean, you lose four or five offensive linemen to the portal, that hurts your numbers. And like Coach Saban told us, so when we have all these second-team guys go to the portal, we bring in new guys, and then we're re-coaching starting from the ground floor all those guys that are replacing. Instead of they know our system, they know our scheme, they know our terminology, they know our practice schedule, they know how to handle themselves around the building. We're starting from scratch. That takes more time. So that's more time and energy that you put into other guys that normally you wouldn't have to that could potentially affect how your team's going to be week eight, week 10, whatever. Um, and then Joe Joe Earl, I think, is the guy that could have helped him at receiver. Trayshawn Holden as well. So receiver and offensive line, I do think from a numbers perspective, are a little bit concerning if you're Alabama. You look at that and just say, all right, now we go into this bowl game. We're down a couple of numbers. We still don't know exactly who's going to decide to opt out and not play. And then you also have uh, you know, just guys that, that are going to be done with your football team going into next year. So you're going to have a lot of replacements that you're potentially looking at from just certain spots on the team. Um you know, Arkansas getting hit pretty hard right now, not so much by the portal, but by some early departures. You know, Miles Slusher quits the team before the Missouri game. Bumper pool, Drew Sanders going to be out. Hazelwood, I think, is going to be out of the bowl game. And then Ricky Stromberg announces today he's going to the NFL. Don't know if he's going to play, which this is that's the game we're going to preview here in a few minutes. So we'll get to that in a moment. But KJ Jefferson coming back is still monumental for Arkansas. But man, that's a lot of the cast gone, along with Barry Odom, who's now the head coach at UNLV. Really happy for Barry. That's a tough place, a tough spot. I don't think anybody's ever gotten it going. So I hope he can figure it out, whether it's NIL, Portal, whatever, to kind of get UNLV rolling and uh, win some Mountain West games because Barry just one of the best in the business. Um, Auburn, again, mostly hit by 
early departures to the NFL. Marquise Burke's going to go. Colby Wooden going to go. We know Derek Hall's gone. Brandon Council, their best offensive lineman last year, says he's going. Um, Owen Papo is going to go. So that front seven all of a sudden decimated for Auburn going into next season. And then AM, I think, too, mostly younger guys, but a lot of guys. And so just from a numbers perspective, you hate to see that. But AM, we know what their collective and their NIL situation. Uh, you know, everything that's going on in College Station with, with where that program is, facilities and whatnot, that's a destination spot. Shouldn't have difficulty, you know, replacing those guys, kind of similar to Alabama. So that's a little bit of a portal update, kind of where we are with just certain guys in the SEC, certain teams. And again, I'm not going through everybody at every school, but that's like kind of some big names and where I think certain teams are from an impact perspective. Uh, we're going to preview a couple of SEC bowl games that are coming up. The first few, we'll get those out of the way. And then we'll review the others and preview the next ones on down the road just a little bit because we'll change things up here somewhat in the postseason. We'll do some interviews in the postseason. Um, you know, obviously we'll talk about, you know, spring ball, we'll talk about coaching changes. We'll dedicate shows to different things and just kind of switch it up. But we are going to talk college football. It is going to be mainly SEC. We'll spread it out a little bit. Obviously, really dial into the playoffs with Georgia, what's going on there, uh, and just other different things. But I wanted to talk uh, bowl games here for just a minute first. Because every time this year, around the holidays, we get the same thing. It's the most wonderful time of the year for a lot of different reasons. Bowl games are one. When else are we going to get? Let's see if I can pull the schedule up here. Just kind of the bowl schedule. Like, let's go to uh, let's go to Friday, December sixteenth at ten thirty in the morning. We're going to get the hometown Landers Bahamas Bowl. Conrad and my guys sponsoring the bowl game. Good for them. Uh, don't know how I didn't end up on the call for that one since Conrad's my boy. But hey, things happen. Um, also, it's it's ten thirty on a Friday. Monday we got a game at one thirty. Um, the following Monday, the 19th, Tuesday, we got two bowl games. One starts at 2.30. Like, when are we going to get middle of the day, middle of the week games at any other point in time in, in football? I mean, the Friday before championship, Saturday, we had the Buffalo game, whatever. But it's it's live tackle football. Like, what else do you guys want to watch? That, that That's the part that I, that I don't understand is people get angry at these bowl games and they poop on these bowl games. And I, I don't know what you want to see or what you're – what are you doing? You're, you're, are you shopping? Are you, are you still putting up your Christmas trees? I like it's live tackle football, man. It's competitive football. So then brings me to the point where where everybody says that these games don't mean anything. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it's a farce. It's not true. Um, and it's not just the 15 practices. It's not momentum going into the next year because how many times we see a team lose a bowl game and then have a great year the next year? There's too much distance between those for any real momentum to be carried on. Now I do think. It can make certain guys happy, potentially keep some guys around, you know, get, sell a few more season tickets the next year because fans are energized. All right, it's all cool and great. Still positive for your program. Winning a bowl game, positive for your program, no matter what, no matter what your record was or what bowl game you're in. But here's the other part about it, man. It's a reward for these players. And I can remember the bowl games that I played in. I was fortunate enough to go to three. Uh, went to the Independence Bowl. Played Army, went to the Peach Bowl, played Clemson, and went to the Citrus Bowl and played Michigan. Uh, the games were incredible. Uh, you guys are red shirt when we in the Independence Bowl when we played Army, so I didn't get in the game. But I remember all the practices, and we were running the triple option. I was on the scout team, and like our defense couldn't stop us because we had Ryan Hooker, quarterback from Pontotoc, Mississippi. They ran like a four three, and he ran triple option in high school, so he knew exactly how to get in and out of the mesh when to cut up field, when to break it outside, when to pitch it. Like he had all the timing, everything. And he was just torching our defense. We had damn good defense too. 
you know, that was Jimmy Brumbaugh, Charles Dorsey, Tequil Spikes, Ricky Neal, Quentin Reese, Martavius Houston. Like, that was a damn good defense. And, you know, that that practice time was great for us. Um, you know, running something different was, was a little bit cool. But then we got to spend a week in Shreveport, Louisiana, a place that, I'm not, I mean, I hadn't, I'd never been. I didn't really know. Um, now, unless, you know, I will tell you that the majority of what's going on in Shreveport is probably not great for a broke 18, 19-year-old because you want to get on the boats, right? Especially somebody who didn't have a lot of experience gambling. So, you know, if you knew somebody who had a military ID that was a bald white guy that looked just like you, that maybe helped you out some. But I still didn't know what the hell to do once I got in. We went to see Vanilla Ice twice in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, it was terrible. This is his grunge phase. Neither, neither show was good. But we roll into this giant warehouse because there was nothing else going on that we could go do. We were underage. And there's a couple thousand people in there. They literally had like the fold out table set up where you would go buy drinks. And it was just, I mean, it was totally weird. It was different, but Hey, it was something that we did. And then new year's Eve, we had passes to go when he performed again and it was just as bad, but Hey, it was new year's Eve in Shreveport. And you know, we were watching vanilla ice and there was a lot of scenery there. So it ended up being good. Uh, Atlanta, the amount of Georgia guys that we had was pretty cool because there was always somebody going to their house and going to dinner and, going to see their family or their boys or their friends. A lot of guys went separate ways on that trip uh, than really sticking together. But some of that was cool because everybody just kind of knew everybody. We stayed downtown Atlanta. I think we're at the Marriott Marquis. So just being able to be there with a little extra money in your pocket, that was fun. That was cool. You know, playing in the Dome, uh, playing against Clemson. Uh, I remember going against Anthony Simmons and uh, seeing him on film and thinking, man, this guy's pretty good. Didn't think he was super strong and then blew me up a couple of times on extra point field goal. And I'm like, yeah, this dude's for real. So, but just like those memories of being there with, with your guys going through the practices and everything, like being in the hotel. I remember like one thing, a bowl experience. We had a banquet one night, Chick-fil-A bowl banquet. And this is before it was the peach bowl. So it wasn't, you know, rotation with the playoff. And we're sitting at this table and this old man comes walking around. And he's, he's handing out like free chicken sandwich cards, which for us back then, you know, those things were pretty expensive. They didn't even have a Chick-fil-A in downtown Auburn. And I was like, oh, I'll take a couple, you know, whatever. And then I see the guy walking around. I'm like, I recognize that guy. And so he's going to other tables and he kind of goes off to himself. He's standing kind of off to the side. I walked up and introduced myself. He's like, yeah, I'm true at Kathy. Nice to meet you. It's like, this dude started Chick-fil-A. Uh, like little things like that will always stick out. I got to go experience that at a bowl game. Um, and then finally, the last one, you know, my senior year, um, long story, but I didn't start until the, the Iron Bowl my senior year. Started the Iron Bowl, the SEC Championship game, and then the Citrus Bowl against Michigan. And I remember Tuberville gave us the option. He said, okay, we can – and practicing at home for a bowl game sucked. It was miserable because there were no distractions. The coaches didn't want to go do anything. I mean, you were stuck, and everybody else is out of town. So they were going to be long practices, long film, because they knew you didn't have anything to go do. And there were no group activities. So you wanted to get as many practices on site as you could. So Tuberville gives us the option. He's like, all right, we can, we can practice for two weeks here. I'll give you three days off for Christmas, and then we'll meet down at the bowl and practice for like four days. He said, or we can practice for four days here. I'll give you two days off for Christmas on, say, the 22nd, 23rd, whatever it was, and then we'll go practice a full week and a half, but you'll be in Orlando for Christmas. Something along those lines. It was almost unanimous, and I thought no one would want to miss Christmas with their family but everybody knew what the bowl practices on site were, how different that was going to be as opposed to being in Auburn. So it was almost unanimous that we would spend Christmas in Orlando 
and go down there and have longer practices, longer time practicing down there. So we did. Uh, one day we we hit SeaWorld, got to meet Shamu. I go backstage. I'm throwing fish in Shamu's mouth. How awesome is that? Uh, we had fast pass for all the amusement parks and you know Universal and all that. And then Christmas Day, we completely had the day off and we had passes to Disney. And we did Disney all day Christmas Day. We had shuttles going in and out. You could stay as long as you want. You didn't have to go. And I remember just how jam-packed it was. Like it was packed. Everything had a line. Everybody was, I mean, there's people in and out everywhere. And I asked one of the employees one as we were moving around, I said, is this normal on Christmas day? She said, oh yeah, this is our busiest day of the year, almost every year. And she's like big tourist destination. They come in and they all want to go to Disney on Christmas day. Obviously the decorations are immaculate. Well, I like just doing that with my boys and then going out in Orlando at night, finding these random spots. Like we'll never forget that. And then, you know, we didn't win. I hated that part of it. Went toe to toe with Anthony Thomas and Drew Henson and David Terrell and, and Bacchus and those guys. But um, Hutchinson was on that team. But I mean, it was a hell of a trip. A lot of fun. My point in all that is bowl games have meaning and they have a lot of meaning for a lot of different reasons. Just because it doesn't mean a ton to you doesn't mean doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to the players. Uh, and that could be more reps. That could be one last game, actually putting the pads on one last time. A lot of guys know, like I was beat up in college, man. Like I had three knee surgeries in college. I had two foot surgeries in college. Like, I probably knew that my playing days were coming to an end to be able to go out there and do it one more time with my guys. It was pretty special. And so just there are situations like that that you don't think about. And I know now we have USFL, XFL. We got all these other ways to go play football. Um, but still they're, to be able to go do it with your guys, and especially the the kids you came in with, you signed with that were still around, and I know now that's probably like three or four for a lot of these guys, but it was special for a lot of reasons. And you know, we like to think that we helped Tuberville kind of get that momentum going by getting the SEC championship game, winning the division, and then getting to a better bowl game where it's got us a little more notoriety. Whatever, it all helps the university. So when people tell you that these things are meaningless and don't mean anything, just don't buy it. Just don't believe it. Um, it doesn't have to mean everything to you in order to mean something to a lot of people. It's still a competitive game that you want to go out and win. And for the opt-out crowd and for the, well, you can't win a championship, can't win the division, can't win the conference. Okay. Why don't we say that then about every game after every team gets to their second or third conference loss? So let's just say third or fourth conference loss. Like why do, why did South Carolina, Tennessee mean anything to South Carolina this year? They couldn't win the division. They couldn't win the conference. Now, I know South Carolina Clemson's a rivalry game, but there's no championship on the line. Palmetto State trophy, sure. But why, why, why do we find meaning in almost any game for all these teams after week five or six that have lost two or three games? They're not going to win their division. They're not going to win their conference. They're not going to the playoff. So why do any of those have meaning? We still play them, right? So there are a lot of different ways that a football game can have meaning for a lot of different guys. So don't let people telling you that these are meaningless games. Don't let anybody get away with that. It's bogus and it drives me crazy and I hate it. So, all right, I want to get to a couple of bowl previews quickly. I have uh, a couple of things related to college football coming in that I want to make sure that um, I can keep you up on. So a couple of things that I'm looking at right now, as far as these games are concerned, SRS distribution, Las Vegas bowl, Florida, Oregon State. Oregon State is a 10-point favorite, and I'm not surprised at all. 
Um, this is a team, if you haven't watched Oregon State, um, with a couple of tailbacks that can flat get it, an offensive line that plays super physical. They were semifinals for the Joe Moore Award last year. Um, they run stretch play outside zone. They run inside zone, split zone. They'll run counter power. But man, they get after it. They got a, a solid group of tight ends that can help out in the blocking game. They're, they've only thrown, uh, I think, like 198 completions on the year. Um, so, that, I mean, they're not a team that's going to go out there and, and pitch it around and have a lot of success doing that. It's just not who they are. It's not what they are. And with Florida, now you look at just they're 111th in the country in completions. Oregon State is, by the way. I had that one written down. Uh, they allowed 114 rushing yards per game. So, yeah, Florida is – you're going to have your top two backs back. You know, Montrell and ATN are going to be back. That's great. Uh, I wouldn't think Osiris Torrance is going to play. He's announced he's going to the NFL. Anthony Richardson going to the NFL. Gravon Dexter going to the NFL. I still he, He's still possible. We know Braden Cox has been off the team for a little while. Amari Bernie, Ventrell Miller. Um, Doubtful to play. So, I mean, I, I I just, it is a laundry list of guys that are not going to play. Um, you know, right, shorter. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a bunch of dudes that aren't going to go for Florida. So I think Billy Napier's even said, you know, he's got a couple guys in the portal that he's going to let play. We're going to get to a point in time where this has to happen, specifically for individual position groups and then just for depth, for special teams. Like you're going to have guys that are in the portal that are leaving. And certain coaches are going to have to say, we got to let these guys play. Let them practice. Let them develop. We'll help them. They'll help us before they're on their way. And you know they're not going to be a part of your team next year. That just kind of is what it is. Um, but I lean Oregon State in this game because, I mean, you've, you, if you have Ventrell Miller out, Amari Bernie out, Gravon Dexter out, this team hasn't been great at fitting the run all year anyway. Now you're going to play a team that's one dead – let me go back and watch that Oregon game. It was the last four possessions that Oregon State does not throw the football, came back from like 21 points down in the Civil War. Like this team will absolutely beat you down running the football. Florida hadn't been great fitting it all year. And now you're going to play Jack Miller, who has not thrown a pass in a game in 419 days. 10-23-21 was the last time he threw a pass in a game. He was two for three versus Indiana. Yikes. So, yeah, he's got bowl practice to get ready and, and prep, and that's good. That'll help. But it's hard for me to find a lot of confidence. Saturday, December 17th, uh, 2.30 p.m. on ESPN for Florida going up against Oregon State. I, I kind of like Oregon State and that one, to be perfectly honest with you, just based on everything else that's taking place. Um, all right, so we go to Friday, December 23rd. We've got the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl, uh, Wake Forest and Mizzou. All right, so... One of the things that I really liked about Mizzou when I first saw this game is like, uh-oh, Sam Hartman, he's gone for 300 in his last four games. He's 11-2, and two, touchdowns and interceptions his last three games. He has 21 300-yard passing games in his career. So if you had not seen Wake Forest play, they have this walk-the-dog, very slow-developing RPO offense. Quarterback will put the ball in the belly of the running back, and they'll literally walk behind the line of scrimmage. They'll take two, three, four steps, and then they'll either hand it or they can pull it and still push it down the field. That's where they get a lot of success down the field because they hold that thing in there. They hold that mesh for so long that the linebackers and the secondary kind of get sucked up and you're, it's easy to get on top of them. Well, the first thing I thought is, man, this Missouri D-line 
gets after it. Like this is a group that attacks, that punishes, that disrupts, that gets into the backfield, they penetrate. It's a great matchup for Mizzou and Blake Baker with how they disrupt up front. Well, now it looks like McGuire and Coleman are going to be out, two defensive ends for Missouri. So that sort of takes back a little bit of my confidence level. Uh, but Christian Turner going to be out for Wake. Still, Martez Manuel going to be out for Missouri on the back end. And keep in mind, so that's a safety, one of your most schooled safeties that's going to be gone against an offense that's now going to hold the ball in the belly of the back for two, three, four, five seconds, and then try to get it out down the field. Don't like what Missouri has out. Dominic Lovett in the portal, so you're not going to have him. He's been one of your better weapons this entire season. But I will say, I do like what we've been getting from the quarterback here down the stretch from a zoo, being able to break you down with your legs, being able to protect the football just a little bit more. So I do think from that perspective that Missouri has a chance over the next couple of weeks to practice and let Brady cook, find some things that he's comfortable with and potentially be able to move the ball. But as of right now, I'm not going to be super confident. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I think, oh yeah, Missouri goes and grabs that game. We could be looking at a really bad start for the SEC because Wake's going to put points up and a big piece of what Missouri had defensively that was so problematic is now going to be gone. Uh, Wake, a one-point favorite in that game, probably play at Moneyline if you like Wake. I think I would lean that direction right now. Uh, December 28th, Wednesday, AutoZone Liberty Bowl, Kansas and Arkansas, 5.30 p.m. on ESPN. Once again, the departures, kind of like what we talked about with Florida. Well, you got Ricky Stromberg announces today going to the NFL. Does he miss the bowl? I don't know. Bumper pool out of the bowl. Drew Sanders out of the bowl. I believe Jaden Hazelwood, who's going to the NFL, is going to be out of the bowl. You lose Barry Odom. And Miles Slusher quit before the Missouri game, so who cares? He's out. So you got Poole and Sanders going to be gone. Barry Odom's going to be gone. I don't know if Michael Shearer is still there. I would imagine he would run the defense if he is, but I also would assume that he's going with Barry. So I don't know exactly how that part's going to work out by the time we get to this bowl game. What I do know is Kansas hadn't been to a bowl game since 2008, and they have a very unique style of running the football. There's a little bit of veer in it. There's a little triple option in it. Uh, There's some Coastal Carolina in it. If you watch it, there's a little K-State in it. Like They'll go with an H-back. They'll offset the fullback a little bit. Like They're going to do different things from a read perspective. They'll trap different guys. They'll run some wham every now and then. Good group of fullbacks and tight ends that can help out as bonus bigs and help block a little bit more. So I don't like that run game against a defense that loses their coordinator, wasn't great against the run this year anyway, and loses their two most productive linebackers and your most productive player on defense. Um, That just feels like a recipe for disaster if you're asking me for Arkansas. Now, you got K.J. Jefferson back. Rocket Sanders should be out there. So all that being said, Arkansas should still be able to move the football. I hope Stromberg's out there because that offensive line has played pretty good football this year, and he has been the leader up front. He calls it all. He understands how to get guys in the right spots. Arkansas does a great job staying with their double teams, and this will be a little bit of a lighter defensive line that I think they can get a push against, but they got to have everybody at full strength up front ready to go. If they do, then I think this could kind of be a back-and-forth track meet style game, which Arkansas will be fine playing because they can go tempo. If you got your quarterback, you could get Matt Landers going a little bit, throw him a couple of deep balls, and you'll figure it out. Arkansas three-point favorite in this game. Even though you'll have a more motivated Kansas team, even though all the losses on defense for Arkansas with KJ Jefferson back and the leadership that this Arkansas team just has across the board, even though bumper pools, a lot of it, Drew Sanders was a lot of it. 
I still like what I still like the nucleus, the core of this team. Probably lean Arkansas right now, heading into that one. Uh, Wednesday, December 9th, 9 p.m. Or December 28th also, sorry. Uh, Tax Act Texas Bowl. Texas Tech and Ole Miss. Ole Miss hasn't really been hit brutally hard by the portal. Luke, Luke Altmaier gone. We talked about that a little bit earlier. I don't know if that means that maybe you don't run the quarterback as much. Um, I wouldn't think it would be that detrimental to how they call it. Uh, you lost your offensive line coach, Jake Thornton, to Auburn, who I think is a, a good offensive line coach. Um, but again, that's a that's a group that's got some guys like Nick Broker and Caleb Borden that have played a lot of football. So I, they could almost coach themselves in this game. I wouldn't be overly concerned about that part. And then if you get a couple of guys healthy, like think about everything Mingo's done, what he's had to do, he might not have to do as much of that stuff. You can get your tight ends healthy and get them back in. They need that group to really be what they want to be. Um, I just, you know, in, in Texas Tech, I understand probably a little better defensively than a lot of people believe. But Ole Miss, a three-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Um, Judkins got the NIL thing squared away. He says he's coming back. So with the offensive line that's there and the running backs that are going to be there, I would lean Ole Miss in this game. Jackson Dart knows how to run it by now. Uh, And you've got Lane and you've got Charlie back calling it. So I would feel pretty good about Ole Miss in this spot. But that one could be a weird one just because I think Texas Tech has a couple of things that people aren't necessarily sure about. Uh, I want to blast through these last two here. Pre-New Year's Eve day SEC bowl games. We'll get to the rest down the road. Uh, Friday, December 30th, we've got Notre Dame and South Carolina and the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. This thing is going to be like the game of guys missing, especially at tight end. Michael Mayer out for Notre Dame. He's going to the draft. Isaiah Foskey done going to the draft. Um, the quarterback situation, because Drew Pine's gone, Tyler Buckner, um, or you got a true freshman that could potentially go. Got a couple of snaps early this year. I mean, I don't know exactly what the quarterback situation. Marcus Freeman hadn't announced it yet. So I think South Carolina's defensive line can hold up against a good Notre Dame offensive line. And then on top of that, with no with no mayor who can help them out, and you're going to be younger at quarterback, I think South Carolina can disrupt and be problematic. The other part is no Austin Stonger and no Jaheim Bell. But I would imagine Marshawn Lloyd would be healthy and going in this game. If they get a if they get the good South Carolina offensive line, and we've seen good and bad this year, it's kind of been up and down. That thing's been a roller coaster for the Gamecocks offensive line room. And some of that understandable because Coach Atkins has been in and out. He's had to deal with some health issues and hope he's doing well. But hey, they got his kid back at H. He helps blocking a little bit, had one of the better catches we've seen uh, last time out. No Marcus Satterfield calling the plays. They don't know what they're going to do just yet, but I do know that you're going to get Juice Wells in this game. So that is massive for the offense, for the Gamecocks, and for however they're going to manage it and whoever's going to call it. Because you have one of the best playmakers in the SEC is going to be catching the football. So that obviously is going to be big. And quarterback's been coming around. I mean, I think that's the that's the part that you like to see late in the season is that Spencer Rattler has grown. And even the Clemson game, two bad interceptions, overcame those, got better, cleared his mind, went out, and helped them win that football game. So I think there are pieces, specifically tailback, H, fullback, tight end, whatever you want to call Atkins, and then out at wide receiver, along with Rattler, that can be enough for South Carolina to win this game. This would be a big win. I mean, they've already gotten to eight, which is past what a lot of people thought. So Beamer's doing an excellent job. But you go beat Notre Dame in a bowl game and get to nine, whoo, now all of a sudden you're cooking if you're South Carolina, and that'll be a hell of a season. So right now, Notre Dame two-point favorite. 
I would probably be on the other side of that, even though there are a lot of questions. I think there are questions with both. Um, but I would kind of look at, I don't think the motivation is a real big difference either way here. And I just think South Carolina's D line has been underrated all year, all year. Tonka Hemingway and those guys have gotten almost no credit. Nobody's talking about them. Yes. Some have been banged up in and out of the lineup, but I think that could be the difference. And I think they can stand up to a physical Notre Dame offensive line. And that helps the Gamecocks go out and win the tax slayer Gator bowl three 30 Friday, December 30th on ESPN. Finally, Friday night, December 30th, 7 p.m. ESPN, Tennessee, Clemson. Um, the quarterback change to Club Nick, I think, is going to be big for Clemson, mainly because he's just more capable down the field. The last couple of weeks, the last month or so of the season, everything from DJ just looked like it lacked confidence, looked like there was some uncertainty. Um, the balls didn't have a lot of velocity, a lot of zip. And I think this will be better for Clemson. They have time to run through ball practice, prepare, get better. Um, obviously, uh, you know, with Shipley at tailback, you're going to be dynamic there and defensively, you know, Brissy, I know said he's going to go to the NFL. Don't know what his status will be in this game, but you got a solid front seven against a good Tennessee offensive line. That might be the biggest thing for Tennessee in this game is the offensive line has a chance to get healthy. You go to Vanderbilt game down your left tackle. You lose two more during the game. If you get that group back healthy, ready to go. And you got an all-conference right tackle who I think might be coming back to play again next year, which would be huge for the Vols. Joe Milton gets development that he needs, so he gets all the ball practices. He's going to get all the reps, be the guy, and he can do different. I mean, he can push the ball down the field. We saw that first series against Fandy. He completes the deep pass. That changes everything. And I'm not overly concerned about Golish leaving to take UCF because Josh can call it. It's his offense. He knows it. That won't be any issue at all. So that part doesn't bother me. Jalen Hyatt wins Blitnikoff. He deserved it, should have won it. I voted him one on my ballot, but want him to play as well because he's the one that takes all the attention. But I actually like Tennessee in this game. Um, I think the offensive line, you go back and watch them. They didn't play well against Georgia, but against some other groups that were pretty good, they held up well. Like Alabama, they held up well. Um, so I think that if that offensive line's healthy is also, I think that gives him some advantages and Joe still brings a mobile aspect from the quarterback position. So you're going to have to defend that part of it. Um, Clemson six and a half point favorite. Don't like it to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, take those points, take Tennessee. I would like them in that game. And I think the volunteers find a way to get that one. So a little bit past where we normally like to stay at 30 minutes. We like to get in, like to get out. We like to talk football. We will review the SEC Bowl Games Weekly. Christmas coming up in a couple of weeks. That's on Sunday. We'll probably push that one out a little bit early, maybe even a day or two late, just depending on the game schedule and how we want to try to operate it. Um, I'll be on TV for the Alamo Bowl. Looking forward to that one. Uh, Washington and Texas going to be a really good game in San Antonio. Going to be pumped for that one. Me, Tom, Jordan going to be doing it. So I'm sure I'll have some commentary from that one. Coaching changes will continue to go through. We've seen some big hires since last time. I mentioned Barry to UNLV. Uh, I think Alex Golish at UCF is great, brilliant offensive mind, great personality, very tough place to win. Both of those. Two great guys taking two jobs that are very, very tough to win. Uh, Chadwell goes from Coastal Carolina to Liberty. I think it's a great get for Liberty. Spend the money, get him because he can win. He'll have the pieces that they'll have on offense will fit a lot of what he wants to do. So that'll make it a great fit anyway. Um, the Auburn coaching staff, we're kind of still waiting for some of the bigger name hires that Coach Freeze discussed in his opening press conference. McGriff comes in as secondary coach. I mentioned Jake Thornton as the offensive line coach. Big fan of those hires. Um, as long as McGriff is handling just a secondary, um, I don't 
don't want to see Auburn have to fall back and him be the DC. We'll see how that one plays out, though. Um, but there's just a lot going on. That's why we're going to come at you every week. We're going to have different things to update. Maybe we'll have just a show dedicated to coaching changes down the road. Always brought to you by Wickles Pickles. Don't forget to go pick those up at your local grocery store. Ask for them at your restaurant as well, if they've got them on any of their sandwiches or burgers. And we will be back next week. We'll have a couple of SEC games down. We'll recap those. And we'll begin to push forward and talk more college football playoff in the SEC teams that are still yet to play. Uh, please go like, rate, review, subscribe. Um, I think we are really killing it up to like 40 subscribers on YouTube. So we are just raking in the checks from that. Um, but we appreciate all you guys tuning in nonetheless. We're just trying to grow this thing from the ground floor. Talk about college football on Sundays. We don't think there's enough content. There's definitely not going to be enough content in the offseason. We might go back and rewatch certain games, kind of break those down. There's a lot of different things we can do. But we're going to be here each and every week. Thanks to our friends at Wickles Pickles, Wickedly Delicious, Cube Show Podcast. See you in seven days. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.